Before we start the show, be sure to check out the show notes if you need a heads up on the discussion. Okay, here we go. Hello and welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and today we meet the wonderful Sam Smith. I have quite intense OCD. I'm very comfortable losing weight and I'm very comfortable putting on weight because they're two obsessive sides and I'm comfortable when I'm obsessed with losing weight because that feeds my OCD. You'll have seen Sam around recently. That's because there's a new album out right now called Love Goes. But you'll be hard pushed to find a more intimate conversation with them than right here. So thank you, Sam, for coming on. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's the show. Sam I mean I haven't seen you for so long I don't even know where to start I think the last thing we did together was that beautiful evening with Sam Smith that evening that we did I know for TV oh it's so wonderful um and and you know you've got this gorgeous album that is just full of these it's such a gorgeous mix of like stuff to dance to and then more emotive tracks. Are you just buzzing about it now? Have you, have you listened to the record? I've heard the whole thing. Oh, amazing. They sent oh, me good. a sneaky little link. Oh, good, good, good. I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm excited. It's a weird time to release mm. music. It's been, this album has honestly been so difficult. We've come up against it loads with this record. So it's going to be wonderful to, to set it free and, um, and move forward, I think. And is that problematic because of what we're living through sort of globally? Has the pandemic affected it? To, did you kind of feel nervous to release it in this kind of climate? Yeah, I've, I've, so the majority of this record was made before COVID. So, and, and it couldn't have been any you know the time that I wrote this album couldn't be any more opposite to the last seven months it was uh dancing and and traveling non-stop and and partying and and uh just life was rich with um music and food and and dancing and fun yeah so it's releasing it during a time when it's it's Completely opposite, to be quite honest. Um, but don't we need that then? But don't we need that? I think that? we do. I think we do. Yeah, I think we do. You know, I've, I've hearing Dua Lipa's album come out and Gaga's album come out. Um, I think definitely confirmed that people still want to want to have fun and listen to pop music a little bit. I think more than ever, we just need some light relief and whether that be escapism or just dancing around your kitchen. I think it's it's so important. I mean, twenty twenty has been an absolute shit show. We all know that. It's just, I mean, what what is going on? And I don't, I don't know how you feel about the year and what your experience has been of this year, but it certainly seems like all the good stuff is really heightened and all the bad stuff is really heightened. Mm. And, and I personally feel like that's made me realise what I really, really want to do, who I want to be with, and it's just brought me a little more clarity. And I, and I wonder if you have felt the same about this year. Oh, completely. I mean, I find it... I find it so difficult to talk too much about me um, because I'm obviously in in a you know I, I, my life is is completely different to everyone else in terms of um, I guess privilege uh, over the last seven months you know and and for me personally it's been a time of rest a time of stopping reflecting trying to figure out whether what I'm doing in my life, both personally and professionally, is is good for, I don't know, even big questions like the planet. And like, um, just, just, you know, things were so fast beforehand that it's given me a time to rest and, and find some peace. But 
it's hard to say that knowing that so many people have been feeling um, the opposite of peace over this time, you know? Mm, no, it's, it's been a varying experience for everyone. But I think that sort of common thing, like you said, they're even being more thoughtful about, you know, how your work affects the planet. It's One of my friends said something so brilliant the other day. She said... It's like she got new bulbs in her kitchen, turned the lights on and went, oh my God, it's so dirty in here. Like there's a beautiful light on everything, yeah. but then you see all the shit that you need to sort out. And it's it's so strange yeah. that way. That's a lovely way it? to say it, actually. It's really beautiful. That was yeah. so cool. Um, and then let's look back to 2019 when we were all walking around in a bubble of oblivion about what was on the horizon um, globally. Yeah. And you, of course, went through this seismic shift within. And I wonder if you could talk to us about the, the time frame and, and the, the period where you discovered that you identified as, as non-binary and, and how that alleviated you, I'm, I'm assuming, of, of a lot of stuff that you were carrying around with you. Yeah, oh completely and it it really has. I guess I guess what I went through is actually the same as what your friend just said. Um it's like when you, you know, this is all everything that's happened is such a mixture of so many things and trying to condense it into one statement is so hard, but you know, when I became well known when I was 21, 22 uh with 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 only one fixed thing in my mind and that was to become a pop star and to, and to sing to loads of people and I think um, my ambition and my passion for singing and, and stuff I think it overtook um, some of my personal development and I kind of put a little bit of my mental health I'd say to the side um, for a good four years I mean I didn't even have time to really think about that stuff because I was so uh, I was on this crazy trajectory of, of, of busyness and life-changing things that were happening and then it basically, after my second tour, the Thrill of It All tour, I had, I, I basically just realised I was unhappy. I was really unhappy and I wasn't enjoying my job. I wasn't enjoying my personal life and I was just feeling a bit miserable. So I started therapy and therapy for me was this catalyst of, um, of sorting my shit out, basically. And just delving into my mind and my body and myself and thinking, OK, look, you don't want to be miserable anymore um I don't like being sad I'm not someone you know I enjoy it for a few days and then I'm then I'm I need to get out of it so I started to just do some self-work and have just been on this mental journey of of you know people say self-love but for me self-love is is quite a triggering word now um and so I say self-acceptance and it's just been these these three years of accepting things within myself um for me without the fear or shame of, of, of other people's judgment and just coming to terms with things that I am. And one of those things was my gender. You know, it's, it's always been... Um, I've always felt this way ever since I was a kid. And if pe- people have only seen me, you know, at the beginning of my career in suits, presenting as very mask, and um, if you could see me as a kid, you'd see that this was a, a, a long-term, life-term... Um, feeling and and confusion I've had within myself so I had to take the step and just and make some clarity and more importantly make sure other people knew how I felt so that they could treat me accordingly and and that's been the hardest part you know everything I can do inside I can do inside but um, asking other people to change the way that they speak to you that's when you you step into a difficult world because People do not like being told what to do or don't like being told if they're wrong. Um, me and myself included. <laughs> so, it's, so it's hard. We're all the same in that respect. <laughs> but like you say, you know, the, the language is, is so important. And I'm imagining that through that process and discovering the correct pronouns for you was, was very validating. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's, um, I, I have to say, like, I don't think I say this enough. Like, it works. Like, they, them, they're words, you know, that's not necessarily, your gender isn't they, them. They're just words to ease someone's life experience and, to, and for someone to be seen and, and spoken to as if they're recognised. And when, um, when my friends and family, you know, when they get it right and when, when it flows off the tongue, it's a great feeling. And um, I feel like that's enough. 
Do you know what I mean? If it, if I, if it makes me feel happier and makes other people feel happier in their skin and lives, then surely that's enough, you know? Well, no, it absolutely is. And how how has that that sort of inner shift and the discovery of the correct language and also for you to to have that, you know, feeling that you've you've identified with with what aligns with how you've always felt inside. How did that affect your mental health? I mean, do you know what? There's two there's two things here. You know, I mean, if I wasn't if I wasn't famous, um, I'd be doing this all in private and um, it would be happening very slowly, organically. Um, the only real shift you'd be seeing is from family, friends, and then you would slowly, you know, I guess, form the courage to tell randomers and strangers in your life. Um, so it would be a much smaller thing. Because of my job, that's when it became difficult. And that seems to be the constant case in my life. You know, it's, I, I make steps um, within my life that are normal steps for a 28-year-old. But what's not normal is the, um, the, how many people are watching and how many people are sharing opinions and um, responsibilities uh, that, I've, that I have to take on um, mm. at my age, which is quite, quite intense. So the only stuff that I found hard is the, is, is, is the, the fame side of things, um, I, I, I have to admit. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just a huge responsibility. And I also didn't realise... That I was just stepping into, you know, I've lived my whole life as a as a gay person and always felt within a minority. But when changing my pronouns, you it's a whole different. There's a there's a whole underbelly, you know. I I wasn't incredible. You're not aware until you listen and learn and and research of just how awful life can be for a trans person, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's been years a few years of real learning curves and just having to like learn really fast and be able to try and speak eloquently really really fast which is really hard yeah it's well it's a huge pressure and and I was thinking about this before before we spoke today that I imagine you, you know you do have that sort of conflicting feeling inside that one part of you doesn't want to have to keep explaining your gender identity talking about it defining it you know telling people so that they understand but then also because of your platform I'm imagining you'd also quite like to elevate a community you feel deeply passionate about and held by so how do you navigate that yeah no completely it's 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 isn't that the same as all like human emotions it's like good parts and bad parts it's never black and white is it it's like yeah it's it's bittersweet in that way because the, the, the thought that me speaking about it could make other people feel less alone in it is a wonderful feeling, but then that's a responsibility in itself. Um, but I, I'm willing to step up to it, you know? I'm, I, my, my only thing that I just want to make sure is that I just want people to be respectful of the fact that I'm, I'm a singer and I'm a musician as well, and that's what I do. And that's what I came into this world doing. Um, and I just always want there to be... Um, I want there to be balance in terms of that focus, you know. So that, But that's, my, that's my, my mission, you know. I've got to be able to balance the both of them and, and um, yeah, make sure they exist together and not one takes over the other, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's tricky. And, and like you say, there is that sort of duality to everything you experience and... And you have it on such a heightened level because of of the job that you do and the position that you hold and the influence that you have over people. So, you know, I just think it's phenomenal that you're you're willing to have these sorts of discussions at all. Um, And and I've been thinking about, I guess, the word fluidity a lot in the run up to talking about you. And it's such an interesting word when you when you really break it down and apply it to life. And it's it's so strange that, you know, like you say, the, the discussion around gender fluidity is is big and it's diverse and there's lots of people with lots of opinions. But it's so bizarre that as humans, we like to see things as set in stone. So, for instance, if I was to say to you now, are you happy? 
or you were to ask me, we would say yes or no. But then 10 minutes later, we might feel completely different. And, of, and we know that emotions have a fluidity, but we still ask questions or expect answers that are set in stone. And it's the same with, with so many areas of life. And I wonder if since that sort of inner discovery, you've been able to notice or look at other parts of your life that have a fluidity and aren't set in stone like you might have previously imagined. Yeah. Oh my God, completely. I think that's, that's how I got to understanding this is through, um, through talking about your mind and, and life and um, every aspect of life. Um, I think that I am a recovering perfectionist. Mm. I think that many human beings are. I think, you know, wanting one emotion, you know, someone says to you, are you happy today? Are you happy or sad? You know, it would be wonderful if you could just become happy and stay there, wouldn't it? And isn't that that like a level of perfection, you know, Mm. that we're obsessed with this this idea that there is a perfect world and life out there where everything makes sense, everything has a box. Yeah. Um, you know, men shop here, women shop here. Uh, men wear this, women wear this. Uh, you know, if you're singing that genre of music, you stay in that genre forever. Yes. You know, and things like that. You know, there's, I've, I've just been brought up, I've been brought up in a way where my parents, you know, in my core have allowed me to, shift and move whenever I wanted to um, in every way and it, I mean it comes down to everything it even comes down to weight there's fluidity and weight for everyone everyone fluctuates every day um, I think that we've been fooled into believing that you can stay in one place mm. you know? and I think it, for me personally in my life accepting the fact that I'm moving and changing every day all day there's a you find that peace within that and then that's that's a great place when you can accept joy, but accept that joy is going to leave you yeah. afterwards. And then accept sadness because that's a feeling that needs to be felt and accept fear and accept all these things. Mm. Um, that's it. That's- because as soon as you start resisting that emotion leaving and you're clinging on to mm. it, that's where I think problems start, that you're not willing to accept the fluidity of life, that things, yeah. circumstance, emotions come and go. And as soon as you start to cling on to a person, a thing, an emotion, yeah. that's the, the unrest that I think we feel, not the actual emotion itself. That's the depression. Yeah. That's the anxiety, yeah. you know? Like, it's even... I even, like, say to people, in terms of singing on stage... Last, a year and a half ago, I had, for the first time, I had a panic attack. And I noticed that when I was singing, I was so scared of my voice sounding bad. And that, so scared that I was sounding awful on stage. And I, in my head, all the people in the room were looking at me going, you sound shit. Um, but I was so scared of that, that my whole body clenched. And then... I, it, it, it's like fight or flight kind of mode. And I got myself into this state of having a panic attack. Um, whereas if I would have let go and just thought, yeah, do you know what? Maybe I do sound bad right now, but I'm going to sound okay in a minute when I have a glass of water or something, then I probably would have beaten it. But it's the, re- it's the resisting yes. of... The, the, yeah, the re- what your body naturally does, to be quite honest, when it's scared right you naturally cling on for dear life it's what we're hardwired yeah. to do that, that's it's the resistance of it it's like well first of all i think most people listening will go i mean what are you on about you could never sound bad ever your voice is utterly sublime but i but i understand the fear element hugely and i mean i've had i, I get a lot of nighttime panic attacks i've had them less so in the mm. day I don't know, the last year. I used to get them all the time in the day, but now it's it's really handily when I'm trying to go to sleep sometimes. Don't resist the panic attack because that's what makes it worse and last longer. And I think, again, mm. it's, you know, all of that restriction is is not allowing the fluidity of life, which is constant, and it's and it's even outside of us as individuals. It's on a societal level. It's, it's the environment, yeah. it's nature, it's everything has that fluidity. And, and as humans, we seem set on stopping that fluidity. It's so weird. You're going to think I'm crazy when I say this, okay? Because um, I'm listening to what you're saying. And But I yesterday I was sitting in my garden and I was just looking at this tree and I was like, 
a tree, the life of a tree, okay, is like, uh, it's a hard life. Like there's, the way it grows, it has to be in the right environment to grow. It, it, there'll be summers and where they, it doesn't get a lot of rain. It's, you know, it's going to grow in these ways that that are all impacted by its environment, right? And I was thinking in my head, we're no different from that. Like, life, the, the beating up of life and, and the depression, the anxiety and the struggle is almost needed and completely part of the growth of a human. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think, I, like, I, I, I don't think that sounds crazy at all because I... At the age I'm at now, I can't always rely on looking for someone else to tell me things are going to be okay. Because often I know it doesn't mm. work. But if I walk in the park and I look at nature, I go, well, all the answers mm. are there. Like you've just demonstrated a beautiful analogy of, of a tree versus mm. how we go. And you can find most answers yeah. in that. Yeah, completely. Like you really can. So, you know just with general problems that you're having mm. in your life, you know, breakdowns of relationships or stress or trauma, look at how na- nature mm. deals with it. And that's your answer. But we don't, we overlook the obvious. And other people, right? Uh, yes. I'm learning through this time. It's like, I think it's becoming more and more damaging for people to, people need to stop projecting this idea of perfect. And just what you're you're doing here on your wonderful podcast, you know, humans talking about their their flaws and their ups and downs and their struggles will hopefully make other people realize that we're all very very similar but we're not we're not that different and you know i don't know it's 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 we're all the same we are nature yeah, we're all connected you know i think it is it is it is really comforting and i i definitely get much solace in that and and again um on that note it's really wonderful that you've given so much energy and time to also discuss the problems that you've had with body image mm. and i know that for you coming out as non-binary you've seen a correlation between that and and the body image issues that you've had mm. over the years yeah yeah yeah. i mean oh my god I, how, it, how has that manifested how has that changed things for you hugely hugely i mean this is every day i was having a freak out this morning i was like i woke up and i was like i've eaten too many sandwiches this weekend and i need i just need to like <laughs> i need to eat some plants and just like but you have there's this, I just have to be so soft on myself now. It's so hard. I mean, I've had body image issues since I was a kid, um, like we all have. I mean, I've le- I'm learning now how, you know, I've got my friends, my friend uh, Jack and, my, and one of my friends Max. They've got they've got these bodies where they can eat what they want, completely eat what they want, and they don't shift weight. Um, but they would love to be able to put on weight. That's all they want. And I've got this body where I, I fluctu- my fluctuation is nuts. It's absolutely incredible. It's quite fascinating to watch. You know, I can, I can really bounce back and forth um, very easily. Um, but all, all I've ever wanted was to look like them. So it's like this grass mm. is greener thing. So again, it was, I, it all started for me last uh, two, about a year and a half ago. I was um, on holiday and I was, go, I was meant to go and sit around the pool with everyone. And this has been, it was 26 years of this, you know. My, I used to remember having arguments with my mum and dad as a kid. Like, my mum just being like, take your top off, Sam. Enjoy the summer. Like, mm. swim. No one's looking at you. Everyone else is, look at all the shapes and sizes in this holiday camp. You know, like, everyone's, every, everyone is caring about themselves and not looking at you. But I never, I could never do it, ever. And I was... It was it was hard growing up in that in that sense, you know, like even PE in school and all these things. I just it, it crippled me more than my sexuality, more than anything else. It crippled me. And then a year and a half ago, I I just had enough. I don't know what happened, but I just snapped. And I was like, I'm being denied these lovely feelings and being denied the, the sunlight on my skin, you know, because of my shame that that I'm, I'm carrying for some reason. And so I literally just took my top off and, and pushed myself 
to like stand with my top off in front of people. I remember having a conversation with my top off in the kitchen um, of the hot, where I was staying and I never do that. And just hating the way I look, thinking this person I'm talking to is just looking at me constantly, blah, blah, blah. But I kept doing that and I made it a practice just keep taking my top off basically. And something just switched. Something sw- after about four months of forcing myself to do it, um, I something switched. I stopped caring what people thought about my body and I realised everything clicked within my mind that this was all things that I had um, created in my brain and that I, whatever size I am, I am worthy and enough of, of enjoying the sun and enjoying my body because mm. this is my one body, you know. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's so much shame and pressure still around just what our physical bodies look like. And, you know, I, I, I enjoy having this conversation, but there's so much discomfort for me too, because I felt all these feelings and people don't necessarily want to hear that because I... I look slim, but when I think you've got body dysmorphia around and you create your own narratives and stories in your head, it does become a very different thing. And I love that you found this coping mechanism of, um, of practicing, of it being a really practical change of practicing. And, And I remember once a therapist saying to me, you just have to wear tight clothing every day until you get comfortable with it. I mean, it's obviously not last time I'm wearing a huge baggy top today, but just keep wearing tight clothing. <laughs> I love that. And it, it was excruciating at first. I felt naked. And then you do just, I guess, get a bit more used to it. And you realise it is more about the stories. And, and often we don't make the correlation between uh, a body image problem and that being a mental health issue. And I wonder when, when you realise that this is actually a mental health problem, not just there's something wrong with my body. Yeah, I mean... I think I always knew that they were linked. I think I always deep down knew they were linked. I have OCD, so I have quite intense OCD. um, And I've had to, um, I I knew that they were linked because I would, when I lost a lot of weight three years ago after my first record, I was very comfortable doing that. I'm very comfortable losing weight and I'm very comfortable putting on weight because they're two obsessive sides, mm. you know? And I, I, I'm comfortable when I'm obsessed with losing weight because that feeds my OCD. Um, and so I, my fluctuation from, when I, from my 20s, my early 20s, I think definitely made me realise that it was all in my mind and that I needed to start tapping into how I physically feel in my body. I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm learning at the moment that your mind is one part of your body and the rest of the body is actually, it needs attention and work. Um, so I guess, it was, I, I guess it was linking the both together, mm. if you know what I mean, and, and having your body all working together at the same time, which, which helped me move forward. How did being in the public eye affect that long-term thought process because obviously as you said you you'd been thinking in that negative way about your own body since you were a kid so all of a sudden having all eyes on you Mm. you know how did that did that accentuate it for you did that make it more of a problem oh hugely 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 yeah it's it's um god it's whenever I talk about it it sounds so depressing because (laughs) and and I don't want people to be depressed by it when I say it but fame is a trauma and um it, the level, the speed of my, my fame uh, and the age I was at, um, I think, yeah, I'm going to be affected forever for that. That's something I've had to accept is that my, my OCD and my mental health has been damaged, I think, uh, f- for a long time because of those things. 
Um, so it's just about making the most of it and fighting it. It's a fight. It's a constant fight every day. What's that thing called when you've got... Like in OCD, I can't remember what it's called. You've got to like... To get over it, you have to let it happen. It's genetic. So I've, I've, I have mental health in my family, mainly when I was always scared. It all stems from fear. So, you know, when I was a kid and I thought someone, you know, I was home alone or um, I was scared at night and I thought someone was going to come in the room, that's when the OCD would, would kick in. Um, and then I think when, when I was 21, after Latch came out and everything, I think it was the amount of travel was making me so confused and I was I suddenly went into this uh fear zone where I thought things something bad was going to happen to me because I was completely out of control so that's when it starts it starts again you know if I if I think of this thing in my head all day then I'm going to be safe today so then you start thinking about that one thing all day in your head um but then it gets crippling because you're then obsessed with thinking this one thing um, so yeah, it's taken, it, it takes, it's taken help for me. You know, the big thing for me was turning around and thinking this is no different to someone having diabetes or, uh, something wrong with their ankles or legs or arms. You know, you, you have to treat it, um, and you have to, to work on it. You know, it's, it's, it's sad, but it's also life, you know, it's hard. i I think you touched on something that's, you know, for a lot of people, they'll notice as a trigger for however their mental health unfurls. And that is the feeling of being out of control. And, you know, I think whatever your circumstance, job in the public eye or not, there will be elements of our life that feel wildly out of control, especially this year. I think we all do. None of us know what's on the horizon, what's coming next. And I certainly can see in my own life that I, I you know, I again I've only talked about it more recently and with a certain element of discomfort that I throughout my whole 20s was bulimic and I only recognized that as a, a sort of coping mechanism and mental health issue in my 30s because I could look back and go well I was just felt wildly out of control and I didn't know what the hell was going on and now I my coping ne- mechanisms are better and they're more thought through and they're not physically destructive and I, and I wonder what your coping mechanisms are today for you to mitigate that fe- like free-falling feeling of, of being wildly out of control. So did you, did you realise that when you, when you turned 30, you'd, you'd connected for the first time with it? I think it was, yeah, when I started to just sort of get better, really, and, and, I, and I knew that I couldn't fall back on that anymore because it wasn't working. But mm. before, I just believed that I didn't look right. And I had yeah. to find a way of looking right. And that became a control issue. But really, I just mm. felt it was nothing to do with my body. It was just... And there's a slight hangover still today with just... I'll have days of body dysmorphia, but the, but not the bulimia. And that's been something that I've worked hard to relearn new coping mechanisms and, and ways to deal with. And I guess... I don't know if it, if it feels the same for you. You've got it on such a larger scale than I have you're you're internationally known and you've got such a huge fan base but I think the outside opinion can become like you've already spoken about toxic if not dealt with well and I've got a lot of coping mechanisms around that and I, I wonder how you today can you sit peacefully knowing that you've got a lot of people talking about you discussing you throwing their opinions out there yeah, I think I think that's part of the coping mechanism for me is that you you uh, tune out noise and uh, the co- coping mechanisms. I think is the hardest part of all of this. Having to accept, firstly, that you are going to have to daily make decisions um, that that are going to help you. You can't, you know, you look at some other people who claim to not have mental health issues. Although I do believe everyone fights it at some point in their life. Um, and you just wish you could wake up and, and you know, enjoy, not, not work out, go out, you know, have fun, go for a drink that night and, and, and wake up the next day and feel completely normal and wonderful. Um, so accepting the fact that you have to, to, to attend to yourself, I think, is, mm. is the first stage. Um, for me, it's, I try and meditate, but I don't really enjoy it. So I've, for me, just 
waking up and taking some deep breaths, trying to exercise. I hate exercise, but just trying to move. I think that's a great way to meditate. Um, food for me is a big thing. I've, I've actually noticed that when I eat loads of cheese, I do actually feel really anxious. <laughs> and when I like, yeah, I do. I think cheese, <laughs> cheese, alcohol, bread, um, sugar, all these things like really affect my body. I'm always going to have Never them. go to France, basically. Never go to France. But in France, it's better for you. This is the thing. In France, it's actually made well. Over here, it's just all processed. So, so I feel like, you know, making sure you're putting good things in your body, but then also having that, that cheat night or, you know, or having those days off is so important. Um, so, yeah, I, I've, there's many, many ways. I mean, being creative helps me. Um, throwing myself into to music and, and, and make the making of something always really, really helps me. Dancing really helps me. My friend Jeffrey from New York um, is this incredible, just this incredible human. And they, every single day, they wake up and they put on music and they dance in their room. And it's exercise, it's expression, it's creativity, it's fun, it's light. It's, all it's these... lifting the vibes. Yeah, it just starts their day off really well. So that mm. I do that sometimes. That's so lovely. And would you say, I mean, you've you've had this sort of, I guess, fast-tracked experience over the last, you know, nearly decade now where everything has been really high-octane and, and you've learned so much and you've discovered so much about yourself. Would you say that you're now at a point where you feel 100% you and that you're able to express yourself 100% as you? Most of the time, yes. Most of the time now on a daily basis, I'm... I'm feeling, uh, I feel like I've got my own back. I feel like when I step out the door, I've got my own back. And I've, and I've, um, yeah, I feel able to express my queerness, which is, which is all I wanted, you know. Um, for me, in terms of being myself fully um, in my career, that was all about my queerness. But I do come up against it, and that's hard. That's hard to come up against it within the, within the industry, um, you know, it, it's difficult because I'm, I'm in a position uh, that not many people have been in, in terms of pop music and singing, you know? If, you, if we look at queer artists in the world um, who, who have been um, globally successful and who have been out and queer, that's not a very long list. So, in a, definitely in a workplace, and it, it's um, it's a new topic, and there's new struggles uh, that I'm having that I come up against, and I will continue to come up against. So that can be hard. Yeah, I mean, and it, again, it, I think that might even surprise some people because you know you do seem more confident than ever, and like you're just doing exactly what feels right to you. So it's sort of sad to to hear that there is still dead ends that you have to face or people that you might have to explain yourself to but I guess oh but look I'm lucky Fern like I'm good like I'm these are all little issues do you know what I mean they it's... are but I think you know it's it's there's there, I guess what we're saying is there's there's room for more positive change always and we can we can see that and and you're and you're doing amazing things to help with that do you think feeling more yourself and knowing what you know about yourself, that confidence has changed how you deal with life's everyday stresses, like things none of us want to do, confronting people, perhaps setting boundaries, saying no. Has that helped find more confidence to do those sorts of things? Oh, yeah, completely. Completely. I think, I think when someone has more of a sense of who they are and um, I think when someone, um, when people forgive themselves for... Uh, their mistakes or or their their regrets maybe that they have in their life when when you unload that I think that um, you you tend to live life a little bit more freely because knowing that you're gonna fuck up sometimes um, and knowing that you're gonna forgive yourself for that afterwards I think it allows people to speak their mind a bit more truthfully and and live a bit more 
openly without fear. You know, I think that to me is really that's that that I'm excited about that conversation for me is this this conversation of um, allowing people to make mistakes and then forgiving them for it afterwards. You know, I know why has that got so bad recently? I, I think this year oh, it gosh. feels like it's got even worse. That it, 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 I guess since social media, the the sort of birth of social media, that's been mm. a a hot topic for people to look at that nobody's allowed to make mistakes and also mistakes are defined as one thing which of course they're not because one as something that you might deem I've you know made a mistake with something or vice versa might not feel like a mistake to us or or whatever and it's it feels like that sort of people calling everyone out and and them you know being shut down that feels angrier than ever and and the thing is we're all going to make mistakes all of us in life Mm. we're going to we're going to upset people. We're going to do badly at our job on certain occasions, mm. and and it is a fundamental. It's a fundamental part of growth, isn't it? It's how we do something yeah. wrong. We go, oh, I, I won't do that again because that wasn't great, and I and I'll work on that for next time. So without mistakes, we our growth stunted. Surely, completely. Oh, completely, completely. I mean, how do we learn in school? Yeah, you learn. You learn from getting it wrong, and then correcting yourself and then moving forward that's how we how that's that's the basics of how you educate people and it i again i think it comes back to for me from what i noticed from talking to people and watching people i think it comes down to this this horrible feeling of being wrong of shame i think it comes down to shame um and and just how people have found a way to live their lives. They think they're bypassing it when they're, they're really not. Um, I, I do, I just think people hate being wrong. And I think there's been, I think people believe that you can be right all the time. And I did too, you know, I'm, I think when I first changed my pronouns, there was a bit of anger in me for sure. I was learning all this stuff and I was, um, you know, I was talking to people, you know, around me, like I knew everything. Have you seen I May Destroy You? No, I've not watched it yet. Oh, oh my God. There's, there's just this amazing scene where, where she's, um, she's online and she's talking about her experiences as, and she's an activist basically online and she's talking and talking and talking and talking and correcting everyone. And then before you know it, you're the fountain of all knowledge and everyone else is wrong. And I just think that is a dangerous place to be in because you've always got something to learn from someone. It's about empathy. Even if someone says something so outrageously wrong, you should be able as a human being to empathise with maybe why they've got to that place. You know, because I believe that all human beings were born kind and normal and throughout their life they're they're programmed to think and say things from their parents their school friends their you know all these things and for us to get on together we have to listen to each other and empathize with each other is that therefore very important that you have a team around you that are very honest and that you can have uh, an honest dialogue with on both sides rather than having a team that just go yes sam yes whatever you want yes sam oh yeah Oh, completely. I, I would hope, I mean, my, only my team can speak for me, uh, <laughs> can speak on this, to be quite honest. But I, I'd like to think that I create an environment around me where if I'm wrong or if I've gone too far or if I've made a mistake, um, they're not afraid to, to tell me the truth and vice versa. I mean, there's always going to be, in a work environment, there's always going to be people who don't want to say the whole truth sometimes. But... I, I have a good way of getting it out of people a lot of the time. <laughs> That's a handy skill to have. Yeah, I like, I like, I don't want to, I'm, I'm 28. I, I, the lot of people I work with who are in my label and stuff, they're in their 40s, 50s. I have so much more to learn from them than they do me. And, you know, and then they also have things to learn from me, I guess, that, that they need to as well. But it's, I do have a balance. I'm wrong every day about things, basically. And every day I have that uncomfortable feeling of being wrong about something or from fucking up because I fuck up a lot and I'm wrong a lot. 
But I'm happy to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. We all are. It's really important to recognise it in ourselves and, and then make better choices. Um, and how, how are you at this point in your life at setting boundaries? And, and, and I imagine this might be something you've thought about more recently because you are divulging so much more personal information about yourself with such grace and because you want to as we've already talked about elevate your community and help other people feel like they can also find their identity and feel comfort in that how are you at setting boundaries around that because it's not a free-for-all. It's not like anybody can just come in and start asking you whatever they want or asking you of things, you know, whether it's for help or for your time or energy. How confident are you in saying, you know, this is what I'm willing to, to share or give and then this is where it stops? I've got better, I'd say, but I don't think I'm, I'm amazing at it sometimes. And I've, I, I'm very lucky to have uh, people around me uh, some adults within my personal and professional life that um, are, are are protective over me and tell me when I need to stop oversharing and um, are trying to teach me ways of 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 giving um, and talking about things, but with a full cup, if you know what I mean. Um, so it's I'm I'm learning that. Because I've been very much like, talk about everything, talk about everything. And then, and then suddenly your personal life is everywhere and people have opinions and then you get hurt by those opinions. So um, I'm definitely, definitely learning that. But it's hard. That's, I guess that comes with getting older too. Like I'm, even, even little things like before COVID, I hadn't really been... I, I bought a house when I was 23 and then I, I never actually had lived in it for longer than a month. Um, so with COVID, I got home and I, this is the longest now that I've been at home in this house. And that's a boundary. That's a physical boundary. There's a door and you shut it. And that's really important for a human being. And I found the same I don't know. I found little physical boundaries to be important. I think many people in the arts and musicians have felt that this year, that they can shut the door and go, no, I'm staying at home. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. I'm not getting on a plane. Thank you very much. And that's, we've spoke, we spoke to Simon from Biffy Clyro on this series and, and he felt exactly the same, that he was just enjoying normalcy and doing regular yeah. stuff. And that's so lovely. I, I think that the beauty for, for so many in, in hearing your story and, and how you've talked about it is that, we can all then look at our own lives and go, well, maybe there's so much more to discover about me that I didn't know. Because again, going back to that lack of fluidity that we're not so willing to, to see in life, you know, maybe we're not exactly as we think we are. You know, we give ourselves names and roles and responsibilities that all have tags and labels. And actually there's such a freedom and liberation in going, well, maybe I'm not exactly what I, I think I am right now today. Do you think there's more of you to discover as time goes on? Oh, my God, yeah, 100%. That's the beauty. And I think it's, that's, that's the funness in life. Like, if you're willing to find more out about yourself, oh, my God, it's, it's, it's going to create pleasure. Like, I have to say, like, being non-binary and, and my whole life, I have... I feel so much pleasure, um, sexually, personally, all these things. I, I, I move and, and, and express myself in ways that are just wonderful. And you see, I do see people restrict themselves sometimes into this corner because that's what they're, they, they've been told to do and that's what they think is correct. But if you want to wear some heels and a skirt and you want to dance... If you want to, you know, it doesn't even have to be the way you dress. If you, if you want to express yourself in a certain way, why would you deny yourself that pleasure? Um, because it's gay or because that's too queer or, you know, all these things. It's, it's about trying to be limitless, I think. And, and, and to be limitless, you have to dare greatly, right? And you have to, and you have to be ready 
for it to go wrong sometimes or feel weird. But it's, it's, I can't express to, enough to people the freedom you feel um, from just enjoying your body and enjoying your mind and enjoying your life. Yeah, enjoying who you are. And I think, like you've just touched on so many times, we feel like we can't, there's that restriction. Somebody told us once that we couldn't do this and it's really stuck with us or we're scared of outside noise or we're scared of people watching us or having an opinion. But breaking through those boundaries is what creates liberation, freedom and fun. And there's not enough fun. We're not having mm. enough fun right now. None of us are. And and having that that joy and liberation is is so important. And I think so many have have gained that notion from hearing your story. It's it's a beautiful thing. It's about we've got to make the ugly beautiful, don't we? I would like it's yeah. It's it's what did, I read something the other week. There's a quote someone posted. It said, um, "Stop stop trying to make the past pretty and try and make the whole thing beautiful." which is so true. Even the sad times can feel worthwhile, you know? And there's beauty in the melancholy, you know? Sound like a, <laughs> like a depressed artist. It's true, but it, goes, but it goes back to what we've been talking about, yeah. that fluidity, like let it all in and then let it all go again. And, Seize control. You know, the freedom, the liberation, the making mistakes, the, all of it. It's all part of the beauty of all of it. It's, it's a gorgeous thing. Sam, I, I can't thank you enough. I've been so looking forward to having this chat with you and catching up. It's just, it's always lovely talking to you, but especially now with, with just so much to, to discuss and, and your, and every interview, you know, I read your beautiful interview the weekend in the Times and it's just, you know, everything you're saying is, is so important and it's, um, it's just lovely to have to caught up with you today. So thank you so much. No, thank you for having me, Fern. That was wonderful. Sorry yeah. if I went too deep. No, we only do do it here. We don't do, we don't do any surface shit around here. No, no. Thank you so much, Sam. One absolute gem of a person. Oh, their new album, Love Goes, is out now. And don't forget, you can discover plenty of fascinating people when you subscribe to Happy Place. It's in your podcast app of choice. There's over a 100 episodes to choose from. Make a day of it. You might need more than a day, a month, but enjoy it. Thank you again to Sam, to the producer, Matt Hill at Rethink Audio, and you bloody lovely lot. I love you for listening. I'll see you next week. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.